Welcome to Tibet Talks, a podcast series from the International Campaign for Tibet. You're about to hear the recording of a live conversation with Ambassador Paula Dobriansky, the former Special Coordinator for Tibetan Issues, from July 30th, 2020. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and Toshidele. Uh, uh, welcome to our Tibet Talk series today. I'm Denche Gyatso, Director of Outreach at International Campaign for Tibet. Um, and today um, we have the first of two special episodes of Tibet Talks, focusing on why American support for Tibet continues to be crucial in the context of U.S.-China relations and the upcoming U.S. presidential elections. So our guest today has more than 25 years experience in national security affairs and has held many Senate-confirmed and senior-level positions in the U.S. government. Uh, among many such positions, she served as President's Envoy to Northern Ireland in 2007 and received the Secretary of State's greatest honor, the Distinguished Service Medal, for her contribution to the historic devolution of power in Belfast. But we are most familiar with her as the former Undersecretary of State for Global Affairs and Special Coordinator for Tibetan Issues during the George W. Bush presidency from 2001 to 2009. And she played a pivotal role in coordinating U.S. policy on Tibet at the highest levels of government, both in the U.S. and internationally. internationally. So uh, please join me to welcome uh, Ambassador Paula Dobriansky. Welcome, Ambassador Dobriansky. Thank you for coming on our show today. Thank you. Thank you and so now, much. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. And uh, now I'd like to invite our uh, ICT President, Matteo Macacci, to join as well, and uh, we can begin our program today. Thank you, Tencho, and thank you, Ambassador, for joining us today. It's a real privilege to have you with us today because uh, the, uh, we are now at a critical time in the U.S.-China relationship, and we see it in Washington and across the world, uh, a growing and deeper concern about the rise of China, uh, you know, of authoritarian China on the global stage. You served for two terms with the George W. Bush administration as Undersecretary of state and the special coordinator for Tibetan issues. So you had the direct involvement in the shaping of U.S. policy on China. What are the main differences that you see between now and then, and how do you see the situation evolving? Well, thank you so much, and I'm, I'm delighted to be here with you, Matteo. There are fundamental differences. At the time of the George W. Bush administration, in fact, there was a very strong effort to have China become a national community. And as part of that effort, the United States launched a number of different dialogues at different levels. Most significantly, there was the strategic economic dialogue to engage China in broad discussions relevant to international trade and international. There was also, of course, the human rights dialogue that got launched at the State Department also at that time. And then, of course, also relevant to Tibet, there were also a dialogue that was launched by His Holiness's envoy, Lodi Gary. So 
in becoming a stakeholder, that also meant taking on responsibility, global responsibility. At the present time, the situation is not the same. And part of it is attributable to actions undertaken by China. In particular, we have seen that China invested, has invested very heavily in its military. It has, as a result of that, also engaged in South China Island Sea disputes uh, with many of the neighbors in the region. And there has been concern about what it is doing politically, but especially militarily. And then economically, in terms of that whole concept that I've mentioned about stakeholder, well, instead, what we've witnessed are predatory international economic actions, trade actions, and a lack of openness. And that brings me to the final, and that is the recent uh, uh, situation of the pandemic, where there's been a lack of openness a lack of transparency, and the entire global community has been impacted as a result of that. Meant for an investigation of what transpired in Wuhan, and to date we have not seen that kind of spotlight and open and kind of global stakeholder and responsibility. There was an opportunity uh, earlier and during the time of the George W. Bush administration. And I might just finally add that one of the issues that was concerning then, although there was dialogue and remains, is in the human rights area. Uh, the uh, suppression of freedom, basic fundamental freedoms, just has not changed. You mentioned your, um, your time as a special coordinator during the George W. Bush administration. And you mentioned that maybe at the time there was uh, an opportunity, you know, for dialogue. And you also mentioned our former executive chair, Lodi Ghiari, who played actually a very important role in that dialogue. Um, so can you share also about, you know, that time, that experience? And also, we know that as a result, maybe of that process, you know, President Bush turned out to be someone who cared a lot about the Dalai Lama and the Tibetan people. So can you tell us about those years? Absolutely. Uh, let me maybe address uh, uh, former President George W. Bush and his relationship, if I may, with His Holiness. Because it was very distinctive and a real bond. And I think a fundamental reason why there was in fact this bond is because President Bush attaches to the issue of religious freedom. He himself is someone who is a religious man. He is someone who really connected with His Holiness because of that, that bond, that importance of each and every human being has the right to practice his or her religion. I also will say that I, one of the most memorable moment, moments that at the beginning of my tenure was when I went to President Bush's office, the Oval Office at the White House, and he was going to be meeting His Holiness in the residence. And when I went, I was to brief the president on the meeting, upcoming meeting. And uh, one of the points I simply made to him was July 6th, Mr. President, is your birthday, and July 6th is the birthday of the Dalai Lama. 
And, you know, there was even more than religious freedom. There was that bond by birthday. <laughs> and finally, I will say that the two of them also are very compassionate about the importance of democracy, of, of freedom, and just universal freedoms that all should have. And I think in that sense, I saw and I witnessed a relationship not only come together firmly, but truly grow. Yeah, and I think you can also, and we, you know, we can testify that, you know, the relationship continues to this day. And we have also seen a couple of years ago, I think President Bush also painted a portrait of his own as the Dalai Lama and uh, put it, I don't know if whether it needs his library or, or somewhere else, but uh, clearly showing a lot of affection for uh, his holiness. And I think it's the same uh, from, from Daramsala to, to, to former President Bush. Um, so uh, during that time, um, I mean, certainly, you know, you were very much involved, you know, in shaping US policy, in the dialogue with China, uh, on Tibet, what do you think were your main accomplishments at the time? There were a number of very significant achievements relevant to that. Um, first, I would say that uh, the administration had decided early on that it wanted to take the uh, coordinator role and to place it at the level of the undersecretary. My predecessors were at the assistant secretary level and there was a very strong feeling here that it was important to elevate it and put it at the undersecretary level. Secondly, I would say that there were a number of extremely significant, long-standing uh, Tibetan uh, prisoner cases, political prisoners, uh, those who were imprisoned for their religious beliefs, and we resolved a number of the cases. But I think that there were a number of our congressional friends who rightly said, you know, it's not just about one or two or maybe even five, ten cases resolved. It's the hundreds others and the others yeah. that have not. But yet, nevertheless, there was some progress. There was also the fact that in working closely with Lodi Gary, who was also His Holiness's envoy at the time, that there was a dialogue that resumed. It was some 20 years past, and the dialogue resumed with Chinese officials to discuss and talk about the future of, of Tibet. And I think that that was very significant. I think it did have important beginnings. However, uh, that did not uh, continue on. And then also I, I referenced the importance of the human rights dialogue. We launched a human, dial, uh, human rights dialogue of which the issue of Tibet was certainly part of that discourse. And there, there was back and forth, but then, you know, it didn't come out with results. The feeling was there was more just a, a talking across the table. And for something to really have impact, you, you have to have those results. So at least I can say we had the beginning, we tried, we strived. Uh, but uh, there we pulled back uh, on that. I will also add two other uh, achievements, if I may. One mm -hmm. is regarding Europe. The United States was also engaged with many countries in Europe who also were very concerned with the future of Tibet and what was happening on the ground. We launched an ambassadorial roundtable. We also had discussions uh, in the EU 
Um, these activities with the ambassadors in Washington and then with uh, uh, those in the E uh, and parliamentarians, I think uh, added to a very collaborative effort and an understanding of certainly the importance of what was taking place there and how it was important for us to collaborate and focus on it together. And finally, I would say very memorable was, of course, the success and the awarding of the Congressional uh, Gold Medal uh, to His Holiness. Uh, I witnessed President uh, George W. Bush together with uh, now Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She was then. They came together and they recognized him. And that was very significant, I think, in terms of demonstrating, again, our importance of importance that we attach to religious freedom and the importance of everything that His Holiness is very much about. Yeah. And I think what you just described shows when there is, uh, you know, high level, you know, political engagement and coordination within the U.S. government, there are many areas where, you know, at least there are, there's a possibility to try to push for progress, even with the, uh, what, what now is defined like an adversary, like China. And, and so I think even in this context of very high tensions between the United States and China, we should not lose sight of those opportunities, of those mechanisms that can be activated. And so as we approach uh, the next elections, and so we're going to have, you know, a new president, you know, whether it's the same or, or a new one will be a new term. What would be your advice to the next administration to try to continue to push for resolution for the Tibetan issue? Because unfortunately, despite these efforts, you know, the issue is still unresolved. Well, my fundamental advice is stay the course. I think that uh, the way in which uh, during my time, the Bush administration had dealt with this issue. I think that there were several ways which did have an impact. You mentioned the importance of the level of engagement, uh, uh, the fact that we elevated the position to the undersecretary position up to that level should remain the same. It's absolutely important. I also think that looking for opportunities for dialogue and engagement. Uh, sometimes you might feel that when you begin on that path, it might not get traction. And as I said, regrettably, uh, uh, we didn't, uh, in the human broad human rights area, we didn't get the kind of traction we wanted. However, we did at the beginning of the administration uh, deal with very directly a number of cases, long-standing cases, some very tragic cases that did get resolved. So I think in staying the course, it means definitely keeping the position at that high level, also continuing to build upon all of the kind of progress that has been achieved, building on the Tibet Act, um, building on uh, the kind of a discourse and collaboration with Europe, and by the way, also with others across the globe, and no less building upon interaction with the community itself. We learn a lot from the Tibetan community, uh, and I know His Holiness has said time and again, it's not only about what is happening in Tibet, there are many Tibetans who are also across the globe, and that interaction matters as well. So 
fundamentally staying the course, keeping it at the level, and certainly keeping it front and center in terms of our our dialogue uh, with uh, with China and with others. Yeah. Uh, I think that's very helpful for our viewers. Um, among them are certainly many Tibetans uh, watching, Tibetan Americans for sure, but also Tibetans in India and in other parts of the world. And they are all engaged, whether through ICT or other groups, in direct advocacy, uh, you know, trying to push governments to, to continue to raise Tibet with China. So hearing from you uh, that there are uh, opportunities and there are ways to to make this engagement concrete i think it's an encouraging message for all those who care about about tibet um in your interactions um in your role actually with as a special coordinator you had also the opportunity to interact personally with this audience the dalai lama so uh, can you share if there was you know what was your impression you know, of meeting him when was the first time you should remember and uh, if there was anything that surprised you? Well, I, uh, my very first meeting was the meeting at the White House along with uh, President Bush uh, in his residence. And that was my opportunity to meet His Holiness uh, firsthand in this capacity. Um, I would say that first, I, he reaffirmed in my meeting him, he reaffirmed everything that I certainly had known and I believed about him in terms of his warmth, in terms of his compassion for others, uh, in terms of just the, his thoughtfulness. Uh, someone, he's someone who is, is extremely caring and you see it. I will tell you the aspect that did surprise me is his humor. Uh, he has, he can be very humorous and he has a wonderful laugh that's extremely infectious. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, when, when you're sitting across from him and he, 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 he chuckles, it's just so wonderful. It's fantastic. Uh, I have to say it's, 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 it was not only a real privilege for me to interact in that capacity, but I have also, since that time, as a private citizen, also have had the honor and the privilege continuing to interact with him. But I would say, Matteo, I think the most surprising is his humor and, and uh, just, uh, uh, you know, how he can joke with you. Yeah. And that really threw me off a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, you know, he has a special ability to connect uh, with, you know, everyone who's in front of him, whether, you know, uh, sometimes he speaks about the, the, the protocol, uh, how he, for him represents a little bit of a, you know, chain that he wants to get rid of. And, uh, and, and I think by doing that, um, and we have seen that interacting, you know, from heads of state to, you know, a passerby in the street, uh, but he's trying to, to influence in a positive way each person. And so changing the word one person at a time maybe it could be a way to describe how he interacts with people so but that's and i think that's you know what you shared i think is not it's not very common for many of our viewers to be able to 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 be with uh, with his audience in that way uh, but i think it resonates with many who know uh, about him um so uh as we speak we know also that you know the american people love his honest the dalai lama i think there has been 
many opinion polls, and I think you know His Holiness is uh, on pair with Pope Francis as the most you know admired you know, spiritual leader uh, in the world. So, what do you think resonates of him with the American people? Because you know he's a Buddhist, right? He's not a, a Christian. Uh, religious leader, but he enjoys such and commands such respect from the American people. There are so many qualities of his that resonates. I have a number of friends who are not Buddhist, and when they knew that His Holiness was coming to the United States to do his teachings, they were so anxious to be able to go, to be there, and to hear his very words, his words of wisdom. Why is that, uh, and how did that really just draw them in? It's because they were very, very struck by his words, his words of peace, his words not just to one religion or to another religion, that when he also speaks, he speaks for the well-being of all and that he also speaks very compassionately about the disadvantaged and what each and every one of us must do to help the disadvantaged. And there are those kinds of teachings that really have traction and just resonate and are very thoughtful and impactful on everyone, on every individual life on this earth. And so I have found so many non-Buddhist friends who would go and are true devotees of His Holiness and wanting to hear His words of inspiration it meant a great deal to them. And these were words that they wouldn't only just go and listen to, but that they took away. They took away with them and they also tried to share with others. So I would say that he's not only, uh, of course, uh, a religious leader, but he is also someone who is very wide who is also very caring about our Earth. He cares about environmental issues. He cares about the importance of peace and not promoting and furthering conflict. He, he, he cares about the basic human being. And all of those principles and concepts matter greatly to every human being. So I can tell you that was very much a motivation for so many friends going to listen to him and being inspired by him and his words. Yes, and I, I just want to mention, since you, you referred to his uh, caring for the earth, that you were also recently involved uh, uh, with, with the group that you work with on environmental and, and water and sanitation issues uh, uh, to have also a message from His Holiness uh, on, on, on the occasion of Earth Day, right? That was also... Yes, I will. I will just say a word on, on that, that's yeah. correct. On the occasion of Earth Day, it also it provided an opportunity since the Earth has been impacted by this pandemic that there are environmental issues that of course impact the basic issue of water, clean access of water for all. If you don't have clean access and you don't have a, access to clean water, it is, it is one of the most fundamental areas that has an X. And in that sense, His Holiness uh, uh, spoke to this very fundamental issue of the need for water, sanitation, hygiene, 
in healthcare facilities, meaning in basic clinics, in hospitals. This is a basis for eradicating the pandemic. You have to have that, and not just yeah. in the developed world, but the developing world. His words mattered. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with our audience. And the last question I have for you, it's a simple, but maybe you know, difficult one. Why should Americans care about Tibet? Well, first of all, uh, America itself is an idea. What we are about, there are so many uh, policymakers who time and again remind us of that fact, how our own history, how we came together, what we are, that we are an idea. We are an idea that's galvanized around basic and fundamental human freedoms, and that not one single individual on this earth should be deprived of those fundamental freedoms. And it is in that set is very much connected to Tibet. It's connected to also, if I may say even broadly, all uh, those in China, the Uyghurs, others who want to have their basic human rights respected. And in this sense, the future of Tibet, it matters. Basically, the Tibetans want certainly to preserve their own history, their own culture, their religion, and they have every right to do that. And in that sense, that is what bonds us. It is what we are about, the very history that undergirds America and the importance that we do place on fundamental human rights for all. That's why Americans are interested and care and that's why we will continue to have that commitment to Tibet. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paula, for sharing your time with us and um, your perspective. I think coming from someone like you, uh, who's one of the most experienced foreign, foreign policy experts in Washington, D.C., uh, it means a lot to our audience, to our organization. We are very grateful for your friendship to ICT, um, not only at the staff level, and we know you have also a strong um, friendship, a long-lasting friendship with our chairman, uh, Richard Gere, uh, which we know, you know is, very, is very close to you. So I want to thank you on behalf of all ICT and our viewers for, for sharing your time with us today. Well, thank you. And may I just say in closing, sure. I want to congratulate you and ICT for this wonderful opportunity to have this talk and you do phenomenal work and keep it up. It's so important. And for all your members who are engaged today in this talk with us, who are watching and are present, just thank you. And keep up the work at you, the team, Airman Richard. Uh, keep it up. Stay the course, as I said. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to both of you. We've been able to learn a lot today and uh, it's an excellent conversation. So thank you again, both of you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tibet Talks. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Learn more at savetibet.org slash pod. To find out how you can get involved in our efforts to promote human rights and democratic freedoms for the people of Tibet, please visit savetibet.org support. 
Thank you and see you next time on Tibet Talks.